And I remember some of his quotes, like, for example, he said, if when man forgets who God is, or if man loses God, he'll forget what man is. And I'm like, what? That seemed a little strong, Ravi. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Switching Lenses. Uh, Shane and I are here today with a little bit different episode. Uh, today we uh, we learned that Ravi Zacharias has passed away, and Shane and I wanted to get together and kind of come up with a sort of a tribute episode today. Uh, kind of talk about the, celebrate the life of Ravi Zacharias and also talk a little bit about you know what the impact he's had in our lives and how he's he's changed our lives. So we thought it'd be a good idea to come together. So we're kind of coming to today more, a little bit more of a somber note than usual. But uh, in light of that, Shane, how, how are you doing over there? Yeah, we're uh, doing good up here in Oregon. Some crazy news today. I mean, it was, it was I mean, well, yeah. it wasn't totally. Yeah. Hard. It's hard to say. I mean, it's, on one hand, I was praying that, you know, he'd recover from this. But on the other hand, too, the doctor said there was nothing more that they could do. And so in some ways, it was like, it wasn't completely unexpected. Yeah, it, well, it was fast in the sense of when the cancer diagnosis was two months, right? I mean, that's yeah, that's incredibly fast in one sense. Yeah, it was weird because, like, you know, we were talking about this earlier and how, gosh, if, I mean, we don't know Ravi personally. We never spoke to him, but had we did, maybe back in what January or December, like none of this was even on the radar. Yeah, like I, I don't remember when he had the back surgery, which, of course, for those that don't know, that's when they found the cancer. Was that, that right? I yes. Think? Yes. So yeah. before, yeah, before that even happened, I mean, this was just, just another, another day in the life of Ravi Zacharias, but, uh, but it's, uh, yeah, but he, he did, he did pass away today. And so it was a very, very sad note, a sad note, but on the other hand too, you know, we think about it, he's lived a, he lived an amazing, amazing life. Yeah. And, uh, and so, I mean, Shane, like to you, to you, like what, uh, kind of talk a little bit about, you know, sort of sort of how your, your perspective of his life and what he's done and things of that nature. Well, I was, I have to say my first, um, when I first started hearing him speak, you know, it was definitely made a huge impact on me because it was one of the, some of the first times that it happened to, uh, in my life when I was, had became a Christian and was really starting to explore the worldview and, and the beliefs that Christians hold and I heard him speak, and it was it was the first time that I learned it was actually good. Uh, it was more than okay. It was actually good to ask hard questions and to uh, think deeply on the truths of Scripture and the truths of the gospel, and that it's it's good to um, to uh, dwell d- deeply and use your use your mind fully, like uh, the Scripture says, to use your uh, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and body. Um, I kind of came from a tradition that might have overlooked that just a little bit more, more focused on the emotional or the um, discipline side of the faith. And it was a little bit not as explored the, the mental aspect of fully engaging your mind. And so that's something I actually learned from Ravi. And he was the first one that introduced me to apologetics uh, in that style of evangelism, of using apologetics alongside or to undergird evangelism. And so it was a real eye-opening to me. And of course, if you're familiar with Ravi at all, I mean, he's a man that spans two different cultures. And Mm -hmm. so he always brought that into, of course, because that's who he was. 
it bled through to everything he did. And I really liked seeing um, some cultural truths from the culture I was in, am in, um, seeing them from a different perspective. So Ravi was able to, you know, kind of bridge those two different worlds and show a unique uh, perspective to a Western believer. Yeah. And I think for, you know, for those that don't know, Ravi, as an apologist, he was, he uh, speaks a lot. Like you said, it was, it was unusual for you to hear somebody who wasn't afraid of tough questions. It kind of made you, gave you, gave you that kind of safety to ask those. And that's really a lot where he specialized in. And he was, he would, again, for those that don't know, he would give a lot of talks. He gives some talks, uh, mostly probably on college campuses, when you say. Well, I mean, yeah, quite a, quite a, it was the first time I ever heard um, um, a Christian Q&A. Was yeah, where, was, where was it at? Uh, in, in, uh, always, it was almost, I mean, I would think, gosh, eight out of the 10 times I've ever heard him speak, it was usually a college Church. setting for as far as the oh, Q and A. Okay. Well, no, as far as the Q and A, I'm not yeah. talking about like, yeah, but, yeah. yeah, as far as the Q and A setting, but that's the first time I'd ever seen that, um, was Ravi's work. Yeah. He, so he was he, quite often, he was at colleges, I mean, prominent colleges mm-hmm. and yeah, given talks and he would, he would open the floor and people could come up there and ask any question they wanted to. And uh, not only that, though, for those who don't know, not only was he in college campuses, but man, he, he was all over the globe. And some of the places, you know, so many times, I mean, how many times have you heard him say, I was recently at this place. I can't, I can't say where <laughs> I was at. Which, you know, to most of us, we, we kind of know, we can probably narrow that down to a handful of countries. We're like, okay, he's, he's probably in one of these <laughs> one of these countries, but I mean, he, but to, to, to say the least, he was in some very hostile environments at times. He was in front of people with completely different worldviews where him expressing his Christian worldview put him not only in danger of being verbally assaulted, but literally physically assaulted, potentially. There were some pretty tough environments. And, you know, one of the things I love about him is, you know, he sacrificed a lot and now he kept even even you know in his, into his lower seventies he kept a really busy schedule. I mean a, a crazy travel schedule that had yeah. to be hard on him, especially, <laughs> especially with the guy. I mean it would be hard on anybody, but especially somebody with the back problems that he had. Yeah, singing singing those on those long flights to I mean, all, all kinds of countries. These super long flights. I mean, I, I can't imagine. And you know, what's one one thing that's interesting, you know, I heard this actually, I was listening to him, uh, I think it was last week, but I've heard him talk about this before. One of the Q&As, somebody, I think this was, this one was probably at a church, but uh, somebody asked him, you know, what's one of the things that you, if you go back and it was something along the lines of, if you could go back and change something, you know, what would you change? And he said, oh man, I, I'm there, I miss way too much of my kids' lives. Like, I wish I could have been around more to see see them grow up and experience the things that they experienced because he was gone so much. And I don't think that for him, that that was any kind of a surprise. Like he thought, Oh, I had no idea I was going to miss out on these things. I think he knew what he was giving up. And I I know it it wasn't, it probably was not an easy decision at all to do that. But I, the guy, he sacrificed a lot. Absolutely. To go out there and spread the gospel answer people's questions to, to answer those skeptics, answer people of other religions. And so I think that's incredibly admirable what he did. Yeah. He, yeah. He's a real hero of the faith. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, modern. Yeah. Modern day hero of the faith. Yeah. 
Um, I have to say, I did get a chance, Josh, at South Lake to hear him yes. uh, and see him personally. I believe you were there, right? I was if I remember right correctly. That's right. <laughs> we were both there. Is uh, that the, the only time? The one and only time. Yeah. 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 Me too. Yeah. I really wish I could have met him. I was, I was, I was, I don't want to say a dream, but that would have been really cool. You know, I, I really wanted to, you know, shake his hand and really tell him the, like the impact he's had in my life. Cause I know for me, I guess I kind of tell my story a little bit here. You told yours sort of the impact he's had on my life, not to get too much into this, but you know, the, I, I've been a Christian ever since I was 16. So 20 plus years ago. And it was about almost four years ago. This it'll be four years ago this summer. Um, not to get to tell the whole story. I know Shane, we've, we've talked about this, but um, for the sake of the podcast, for the sake of the time of this episode, I'm not going to tell the, the whole story. But generally speaking, I, I just had this sort of this moment where God just woke me up and just lit this fire in me. I'd been a Christian for almost 20 years at the time, but I hadn't really been. I, I haven't been. I, I, I was sort of a, a passive Christianity. That's what I would say. I was quite passive in a lot of things I did. And I and at this moment, like God just lit this fire in me to be more active. That's a, that's a good way of putting it, I think. And uh, it was a very profound change in my life. And in the midst of this change, you know, I, I was it was a passion to really dig into God's word way more than what I was doing and really pursue Him more than way more than what I was currently uh, doing at the time. And so I remember, uh, it's kind of funny, I remember thinking, okay, so I, want, I really want to be conscious of how I spend my time. And I really want to saturate my time and saturate my life with things of God, eternal things. So I don't know if I was driving or if I was going to the gym or I was in some setting where I was going to be listening to something. And I thought, okay, I want to listen to like a sermon. I want to listen to, you know, I want to be, I want to be, uh, filled with somebody preaching or teaching about the ways of God and things of that nature. And I remembered in my phone years ago, at the time I was going to Gateway Church with Pastor Robert Morris. And I remember, I don't know how long ago it was. It was probably two or three years before that moment, which was four four years ago now. It was about two or three years before that. Um, I don't remember what he was talking about, Robert Morris. I don't remember what he was talking about, but he said something that caught my attention and said, if you want to hear more about this, or if you're <clears throat> interested in this, go look up Ravi Zacharias. And whatever it was, it made an impact on me because I remember getting in my phone and I typed the name Ravi Zacharias. Little did I know, two or three years later, I'd be pulling that out in that moment thinking, okay, I'm going to go look up this guy, Ravi Zacharias, that I have my, had my phone forever. And I started listening to him and I could not believe like what things I was hearing. I was like, oh my gosh, these are questions that I've had my whole life. Some of these are things I have thought of. A lot of these are things I've never thought of, but now that he brings them up, I really <laughs> want to know more about this. And it was just like, it just opened this whole world to me. And it, it didn't just change me. It changed the trajectory my life was on. And it really pointed me into a, a totally new direction that I wouldn't be doing this podcast if I hadn't listened to all those things. I wouldn't be having the conversations that I have with people uh, as a teacher, had the students that I've spoken with, any, not just them, but just anybody, I wouldn't be having those conversations if it wasn't for Robbie. I went through wow. his, I went through his uh, several of the RZIM Academy classes, which really equipped me to have those conversations. And uh, yeah, so I mean, I really have the whole a big, a big, big thank you to Robbie <clears throat> for what awesome. he's done. That's yeah. great, Josh. Wow. So uh, that's that's kind of I. I 
I always, that was something I always wanted to tell him and obviously never got the chance to. And, but uh, that's something that, you know, it's, it's having the situation we have right now to do a podcast kind of in a way, kind of, kind of say it there. So that's kind of my thank you there to Robbie. Wow. That was, that was awesome, Josh. No, he's, he, uh, yeah. he had a big, big impact in my life. It's funny. I've had, I got a lot of people text me today or <clears throat> messaging me in some format. Like, Hey, did you hear about Robbie? Cause everybody knows that I've, yeah. I've always, I'm, I've, he's had a huge impact in my life. So Shane, what was yeah. anything more that you wanted to add to sort of our, our tribute here to Robbie? And you know what? I, I will say one thing that I've always appreciated about him. He is, he was always as a apologist and evangelist, he was always, um, very good mannered and uh primarily you know he a lot of times he would show truth through a story kind mm-hmm. of um and i've I've always liked that about him that he wasn't uh abrupt or confrontational but he always seemed to remember no matter what the setting or if there was a hostile tension he always remembered that it was a person asking a question and that you yes. remember you're speaking to a person. And that's something that I've uh, always liked about him. And I, I try to mimic. That changed me a lot as well, too. That really changed. Because it can be really easy when they, whenever you're having a discussion with somebody that disagrees with you, that you feel you have a response that you can say back to him. It's real easy to, to, to try to be right. And try to win yeah. the argument, but he rather was always than, saying, yeah, go ahead. Rather than share the truth, right? Win the argument rather than exactly. share the truth. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's a great point. That's a great point. I also, uh, one thing he also led a big impact for me as far as in my thinking was he always stressed what you lose when you lose God. So if, when you lose God, what are, what else are you giving up to, you know, um, I mean, he was the first person that clearly articulated that to me. It was mind blowing that how without God, you don't have morality or justice. And so, you know, that, that fundamental, one of the greatest arguments used against a God or God um, is uh, the question of evil and Mm -hmm. which then you find out really quickly, you don't have much to stand on to pose that question if you, if you do away with God. And so I, and I think that still to this day, that, that, that point or that discussion has never lost its strength or um, its bite. Um, I just think it's a super valid um, point, you know, that all of us have to wrestle with. And, um, so I, I would have to say, in fact, that's one of his best selling books. Can man live without God? And I remember some of his quotes, like, for example, he said, if when man forgets who God is, or if man loses God, he'll forget what man is. And I'm like, <laughs> what? that seemed a little strong, Ravi. <laughs> and then, and then to me, it was, it was very, um, prof- prophetic of, of of our current situation of not even being able to define what a man is or what gender is um, because we lost sight of God. And uh, I thought that was pretty amazing. And another thing he, I remember him talking about when a culture um, becomes secular humanist, they'll never be able to hold the gate against a uh, militant worldview. And again, I thought, wow, that's a little strong, Ravi. I don't know <laughs> you know, that seems like you're really stepping out there saying that. And then I, I, you know, to me, that's exactly what we see in Europe. You know, we see uh, militant worldviews and secular humanism struggling to form a bulwark against more militant worldviews. And, and some of the secular humanist people are waking up and realizing, wait a minute, Christianity, we might not believe in it, but it was very useful to restrain forces that are much more darker and violent. 
And so, you know, he, he just multiple points like that, that I, that I thought were, um, were very, uh, I'm thought, well, see, geez, that seems really strong to say <laughs> they were totally prophetic. He really uh, did have a lot of several things that he would say that you were like, like, like you said, like, whoa, are you sure? About that? Yeah, yeah. How do you think about yes, that? And then yeah, you would yeah. say, you yeah. think about it and you're like, no, he's right. Yeah. You know, it is, if, when you first heard it, you're sort of like, wow. Hey, that's... he even, he even, he prophesied, uh, prophesied, that would be the wrong word. He foresaw uh, ISIS. I remember him reading, him talking, or, or reading an article that he had wrote, or actually might have been, actually it was an interview. And he was saying that he had been traveling, as you know, uh, like you had mentioned, all through the Middle East and different areas. And he said, you know, Syria is sitting on a powder keg. It's going to, it's going to blow up and it's going to all come apart. And I'm like, again, I was like, what? Uh, at the time there had been, there was no Syrian civil war or anything like that. And the language he used was not a civil war, but a complete breakdown of the Syrian uh, nation, you know, into in warring factions. And I thought, wow, that seemed like a really strong statement. And that isn't that not exactly what's given birth to ISIS. Yeah. And you saw the just absolute disintegration of, of whatever, you know, the Syrian regime, you know, mm-hmm. so a very insightful man. Yeah, he is. Yeah. I remember like for me, kind of, kind of you kind of mentioned this uh, a minute ago, but the whole problem of evil argument, you know, he would say, if you believe in evil, then you have to believe in something good. There has, the good has to exist as well. And if you believe good and evil exists, you have to think of a way uh, of, a, of a moral law to distinguish between good and evil. And if you believe in a moral law, this is, a lot of people had a problem with this, and I did too. Then you have to posit a moral law giver. And then when I first heard that, and the first couple of times I heard it, because I heard it the same several times, I was like, do you really have to posit a moral law giver? And it's funny. That's kind of one of those moments I had. And the more I thought about it, I thought about it. And like to where I'm now, I'm like, of course you have to. Like, yeah. there's no other way around it. Yeah. It took me a while to see that. Well, I, and where that. I struggled to see it was I didn't realize to have a personal morality, you have to have a personal God. You know, mm-hmm. it was easier for me to think of an abstract without seeing morality by definition is against or for a person. It's always mm-hmm. personal and, and you can't have a moral law based on the rocks or the expansive space. You know, mm-hmm. it literally yeah. points to a personal God that cares mm-hmm. about everyone, which is yeah. <laughs> pretty amazing that your reasoning can lead you to the doorstep of heaven, you know, uh, I mean, it can't take you there, but it can definitely point very strongly. Yeah. Wait a minute. Something's going on here. Yeah. Get your, get your attention for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, um, another thing that, uh, that I really liked about Ravi, you know, we, you and I both listen to several different types of apologists that are out there and we kind of have this conversation a lot is it seems that a lot of them are really just trying to win an argument. Mm. And you kind of touched on this a little bit. They're, you know, they're just trying to win, win the debate, win the question, something to that effect. But what we always love about Ravi, and, the, and it, you also see this in his team members as well. This, this is this has got to be something he he tells them, is that whenever he's giving an apologetic, he's always trying to point it towards the gospel. He's not trying to go toe to toe with somebody in a Q and A. I remember one time saying that he said in his early days he used to debate, but. He really got tired of it, and he thought it kind of. He didn't say, "I'm I'm really paraphrasing big time here," but he just didn't see a lot of point in it, which is something I've always thought too. So it was refreshing to hear that. And he was saying how he thought the Q and A format was far more profitable and 
uh, it worked a lot better than the actual debate format. And so like I, we've always appreciated that about him is that he's been able to, he was, he's not always concerned with winning the argument. There's, there's a person asking a question and he's trying to speak to that person rather than just make a point. Yeah. He wanted to see the gospel prevail, not just himself prevail in a, in a, in a discussion mm-hmm. or a clash of worldviews. He was always actively consciously promoting the gospel. Um, as opposed to, uh, like you said, trying to score a point or win a debate, which is, uh, I think, uh, awesome, right? I mean, that's what, yeah. if you really believe it's the truth, then it's about sharing the truth, not about a personal victory. Right. Because it, it really gets down to anybody that's in any kind of evangelism or ministry. It's like, why did you get in this in the first place? Like, what's what's grounding you? What's the core reason why you're doing this? And that's something I think he never lost sight of. I think he was always, the gospel was always first and foremost the most important thing to him when he was having these discussions. And like we said, it's really easy to get sidetracked and distracted into these, what he would call rubber dummy arguments and things of that nature that distract you from your goal. But he and his team, they're really good about keeping their sights on what, what's important. His team actually came to, as you know, Josh, I live in a pretty small town in a small state. Mm-hmm. And uh, his team has been here multiple times. Uh, Stuart McAllister oh, yeah. and... Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, it was Stuart. I remember Stuart clearly uh, coming and speaking, and his team members always conducted themselves in that same spirit of like what you're mm-hmm. talking about. I, I respect all of them so so much, and I think it's a lot because of what Ravi, as their leader, uh, instilled in all of them, instilled in the whole RZIM ministry. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we're gonna wrap this up here and uh, wrap up this little tribute and. Again, you know, I think we're both we're both very extremely <clears throat> grateful and thankful for all the work that he put in, uh, all the support you know, of his family and whatnot, and uh, everybody that was uh, a key, a key, a played a key role in allowing him to do uh, what all he's done and the sacrifices that he made. Yeah, all the people that financially have uh, supported yeah. RDIM, right? Yeah. I mean, they mm-hmm. are they're all part of that story too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, we'll end it here and. Uh, We'll just end this with the hashtag that's been going all over social media with us just personally saying, Robbie, thank you, Robbie. Yep. Thank you, Robbie.